is the concept of first world problems patronizing to people not in the first world? Hmm. So let's unpack this a little bit. Um, first world problems is generally um, exists as a hashtag or as a kind of a so, knowing. Yeah, like a disclaimer on something you're about to say. Right. This 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 idea that um, somebody's complaining about some free muffins. Yeah, mild inconvenience in our uh, modern uh, uh, modern living. Right. right. Um, modern late capitalism <laughs> in, a, in sure in an advanced industrial economy. Right. Uh, uh, under democratic rule of law um and put an asterisk on democratic well and rule of law uh, <laughs> uh but no but th this idea um uh, let's unpack each uh kind of piece of this so one is uh first first world okay. uh, so is the term first world patronizing um maybe but i think for the for the purposes of of the of the the main the main thrust of what I'm getting at, I, I would take a non patronizing synonym for first world, okay, developed world, or um, you know north versus south, whatever, however you want to, yeah, global well, north, yeah, whatever whatever the non um, uh, what, offensive, what, yeah, whatever the most emotionally correct, yeah, term for differentiating you know places like the U.S. or the U.K. or Australia from um, places like go on <laughs> right um okay places like uh um what's the what's the what's the village down from the village uh, uh rabona and rabona rwanda yeah rwanda, yeah. Yeah, okay. rabona and rwanda right okay. like those are two different kinds of ways to live yeah um yeah um so the question is is saying first world problems the the idea of the, is when someone says first world problem, what are they trying to say? They're well, so this is my this is my premise. Yeah. I, I just kind of like lob the question at you, but what I'm really getting at is, every time I hear someone say first world problems, it's meant to be self um, deprecating, right. self -aware. and self aware, yeah. and somewhat, I think, tongue in cheek. Well, yeah. or I was like as a as a, like as either either a criticism of somebody else's cluelessness or a way of sort of checking their own humility. I think that's what it's intended for, but checking their own humility um, or, or checking, uh, that's the, the wrong way of phrasing it. Checking um, their privilege. Uh, no, like um, uh, ensuring their own humility. Like I'm about to talk about gluten-free muffins. I'm about to complain about gluten-free muffins, but I recognize that I'm by saying first world problems about the thing I'm about to say, I am putting in context. I am, I am, I'm aware that I'm there aware, are lots exactly. of injustices in right. this world and, and what, lots of people do not have access to right. the resources that I do. Yes. And, um, and so, uh, I, yes, that this might not seem like the greatest injustice that's happening in the world right now, but it's a mild, it's a thing I want to talk about for me. And I want to yeah. complain about this thing. Yes. Uh, but do but it, but not lose, but not lose woke points. Right. right. So what I'm suggesting though, is while that's the intention, I feel like it commonly creates this or or is is built on the back of this stereotype that once you go up maslow's hierarchy of needs and you're you know in, in in your in your rich country and you can get you can then complain about um trivial things like gluten-free muffins and meanwhile the poor people in the literally poor people in uh the villages in rwanda um who don't have indoor plumbing or whatever um never are never bothered by the trivialities. What I'm saying is, mm. that it, it feels like it creates this this um, divide div division yeah. in this, that prevents us from having a kind of shared humanity. 
Mm. And what I'm trying to figure out is how do you square, like, it is the case that, like, if you um, live in, you know, let's say, you can see this in a, on a smaller scale, like, you grow up at a certain class, and then maybe you get a job, and you're, you're wealthier than your parents were, right? So that's, like, a small class difference, and you're like, wow. I mean, I feel this, like, I've said this before. Every time I buy name brand Ziplocs, I'm like, wow, I feel, I feel, I still, to this day, I feel like, oh, I'm rich, right? Um so that does count, where it's like you kind of have a level set at one point, and then when you when you level up from that, you appreciate it more than people who maybe consider it, take it for granted, right? Mm. But what I'm saying is, I I think, if we're, assuming we're all people, that even people in the most um, I don't know undeveloped place you want to imagine still ha- have their version of trivialities, their version of first world problems, their version of of just like small things that annoy them. Yep. It's just in their context. Right. And I think it is, I am, I'm cautious about the concept that, um, this over like, you know, uh, fixating on occasionally trivial things is something that only us wealthy, mostly white people have the, have the privilege of doing. Right. Um, the, the other kind of, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I like it. I want to dig into it a little bit more. But one just quick aside I would also say is one of the challenges with first world problems is that there's this implication that everybody who's in that first world society uh, can have access to those problems. And mm. I actually I actually prefer the champagne problems as a... What's, as a, the, what's that? Uh, when some people, times people say, oh, this is a champagne problem. Meaning the same thing. It's, a, it's usually a synonym for work, first world problems, but it's actually maybe even higher because uh, you can, you know, obviously you can be a person who's living in the first world today who... Who's uh, struggling. Who's struggling yes. extraordinarily. Sure. So, and you can be a person who's in the quote-unquote developing world or emerging markets or growth markets uh, who is doing quite well, right? Right, so, and so it's perfectly comfortable. It's perfectly comfortable, right? right. So it, this idea of uh, uh, first... It's, it's not just the world you're in. It's kind of right. like where you are. In, rel- yeah, yeah. It's, it's where you are in the hierarchy. Um, so that's why I think champagne problems maybe gets at that a little bit better. Yeah, okay. You know, maybe. Right. Um, uh, sometimes people say first-class problems, too. I See, this is the thing. I, I prefer first-class problems partly because... Well, okay, I don't want to say prefer... When you say first-class problems, what do you mean? Because there are two there are two definitions that come to mind. Either the problems of people flying first class, which is which is kind like, of a synonym, literally for like first literally class the pro- in, like oh in travel my yeah. the warm towel they gave me was too warm that kind of thing yeah. right or the problems themselves like that's different than saying like oh this is a high quality problem which is to say yeah it's a problem but it's 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 like reflective of us being in a good situation it's a good problem to have like like we're making too much money we don't know where to put it right, right. that's a high quality problem. Yeah. Um, that's not when you say first class problem you mean the former um yes wait i, I, you, you I mean, forgot which was former you, you which mean, was the you latter. mean you mean um the problem of people flying first class you don't mean like it's a first class problem meaning like it's a good problem to have correct correct okay. um not first rate problem right it's not first rate. <laughs> right <laughs> right uh and and so i would say the, the other thing is 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 uh here, here's a question for you how um how popular is Seinfeld in non-first uh, world countries or society? Uh, uh, right. And, would, so, and how much you does... You mean versus some other like media from that era? Or do you just mean... No, no, no. I mean just, Seinfeld the comedian. And I'm trying oh, to get okay. comedy here and comedians like stand-up comedy. Okay. And so much... Stand-up, Seinfeld the stand-up com- comedian. Sta- Seinfeld the stand-up comedian. Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld, the stand-up comedian who, uh, who has that kind of what's the deal uh-huh. with, you know, observational humor. Oh, interesting. Which is observational humor about like the mild... 
uh, annoyances or inconveniences sure. or absurdities that's of the, right that's of a modern you, life, mm-hmm. um, and that's really what his, his and there's plenty of st- m- m- yes. many 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 st- uh, comedians. I'm just he's he, right. He's the that. icon of that. He's the icon of that. Um, so how much uh, you know could Jerry Seinfeld? No, assume, like could language there be a aside, Jerry Seinfeld in Rabona? And in, in, yeah, in Rwanda, Rabona, which is the uh, village in Rwanda we're talking about, but in Rwanda, like right. could there, and one of the things. So I I know uh, <laughs> because my work I know a lot of Rwandans and and. It's the humor, sense of humor. There are some things that are universal, right? But yes. it is really... And some things that are very culturally specific. Yeah. There, there are some comedians, like my wife and I watch a lot of stand-up comedy, and I would say most, yeah, most specials on Netflix just don't do anything for us. Like, we'll give it 10 minutes, and it's just like, just stylistically, something about the way that, you know, they present right. themselves, the way they frame the jokes. It's like, I can see what, you know, our, our reaction is usually... I can see why people like this, but it's not for us. It just right. just doesn't hook us. And these are like, you know, English speaking, right. you know, um, usually American or or kind of like uh, Commonwealth, Commonwealth, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, Stand ups. And it's like, no, just you know, not for us. And so, but <laughs> that's funny because like I I've I've obviously have never seen a stand up comedian in another language, right? Um, and I I don't think I know many stand up comedians that aren't from. <laughs> the U.S. or Commonwealth country. So there is. I know a, Australian comedians. I know, uh, right. you know uh, UK comedians, I mean, Irish communities, like, but like Canadian communities. But like, you're I don't, gonna have to know the language, kind of. Right. right. But and then and then I guess there are people that have been become American or naturalized citizens or you know people who are here playing to an American crowd. But I don't know, you know, who's the hottest stand-up comedian so, out of <laughs> India. You know, you or, know the you know the show. Ironically, Seinfeld's show. It's not ironic. Uh, coincidentally, <laughs> Seinfeld's show. So you got uh, a, a, glass, a glass, a fly in your uh, Chardonnay. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like too many, too many spoons. Uh, so, comedians in cars getting coffee. One of the episodes with the guy, and I don't know his last name. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, Gad <laughs> something. He's a and he's a fairly well known uh, French comedian. And yeah. he Seinfeld met him because he did the voice of the B and B movie in France. He was that's the person they cast to do the voice, and he's kind of known as the. French Seinfeld. Like that's oh, what people think of him as. And he speaks English well with a strong French accent, but he speaks it well the way a lot of people from France speak English. Mm-hmm. Uh, they speak it well, but with a sort of unapologetically French accent. Sure. And this particular episode I found very funny, very interesting because funny or interesting? Both. Okay. I find him very charming, at least in English, partly because you can tell he's very quick and he's very quick to like kind because they're doing it's kind of conversational that's the that's the premise of this show right they're just having a conversation but they're kind of doing bits and they're kind of make each other laugh and so on so you're kind of performing for an audience of one and every once in a while he'll do a particular impression or something where he's just so good at like they do um i don't know they do they do like takes on the bill like the bill comes it's like you pick up the check and you look at it and you do you do like a face right like your Mm -hmm. mid-conversation um and they do other bits like that and it's he's very good but he said something interesting in the middle of this conversation. He said, my dream would be to be good enough in English to come to America and go to a comedy club and like actually like do a set in English. Because mm. he's a, like kind of a celebrity in France. Like yeah, he's, yeah. he's like a really well-known. But he's not. But like, he's, no one in America really knows who he is. Right. So he could be an actor, sure. But he said his dream is to like come here and do a set at like the Comedy Cellar so, and like kill. So remember Seinfeld was an American Express. He did a lot of American yeah. Express commercials for a period of time. And he, there was some bit like just like that where he was doing a stand-up routine in 
Scotland, maybe, okay. or or in the UK or something, and like he started making these jokes, and it, they were falling flat because mm-hmm. he was using uh, an American context for for them, and um, and then he used his American Express card to go shop and do spend things consume things in that culture and then he was able to like make to do a seinfeld bit in that uh, culture yeah yeah, yeah with the, with the I right don't kind of that and they but <laughs> and then he kind of was saying you know whatever you know i i, I forget this is many years ago but i forget all the things but he he, he made all these then seemingly appropriate references right. and then he, he gave a look that at the end that made it seem like he had no idea what he was talking about <laughs> but he was killing yeah yeah uh, thanks to american express yeah. so I, I think about all I, uh, the reason why i want to go to this comedy detour uh because i feel like a lot of comedy um and, and there's a there's a there's a huge and this is like represented by jerry seinfeld a huge category of comedy um that feels like observational like it's like meta mm-hmm. third world i mean first world problem comedy okay. right you know like the yeah, whole right the whole but are you suggesting that that that's that, that um, format wouldn't work in Rwanda. Well, that's what, that's what I'm wondering. So, th- so I think that this idea of I think that the best universal comedy is is comedy that kind of speaks to the human condition and gets at some large. Well, and I would argue that I and think so, I think Seinfeld gets at the human condition. Right. I think your topic would change, but I think this idea of, and I guess this kind of gets at the heart of what I'm what I'm where this comes from, which is like I think, no matter who you are, I feel like if you went back hundreds of years you would find people who are where this is just happening in their head and it and it didn't occur to them that anybody else was also worrying about these like trivialities and, and small details. And I think mm. part of what makes Seinfeld makes people laugh at, at a Seinfeld bit is when he verbalizes something that we've all thought about. What's the deal with airplane peanuts or whatever, yeah. you know, pick, pick whatever like thing it is. And you're like, yeah, what is the deal with airplane peanuts? And we've all thought it and no one has put it in words before. And then you, you, I feel like it's a recognition of a couple things simultaneously. One is like, there's this particular thing that you had, you've, you're familiar with that you had never quite noticed. So yeah. it's this co- connection between your kind of or unconscious you, you, and you, conscious. Yeah, exactly. You had maybe noticed it, but not articulated. That's or, right. Yeah. And the second thing is recognizing that you're not alone in having done it like it's so it's almost like he's mind reading a little bit because he's he's causing you to recognize something in yourself you didn't even know was there and then there's that like shared humanity of like it was hiding in plain sight and no one pointed out what's the deal with airplane peanuts and like all those things connecting simultaneously makes people be like oh my god yeah that's really funny and i feel like again maybe it's just my myopic you know uh, uh point of view here where i can't i can't see anything beyond my own experience but i think that unless there's some part of your culture that forbids like pointing out these things, that strikes me as a very human thing. Yeah. All right. Next topic. 